We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, football fans. I'm Paul Bruno, and I invite you to follow me at Statsman22. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, John McKechnie, who is an entertaining and informative follower, as I've come to know, and you can find him at Johnny McKex. Well, it's Friday once again, and that means we get to put a bow on Rotowire's weekly series of position-based podcasts, where we'll take a final look at uh, our entire rosters and also give you specifically the kicker options that are on the board that appeal to both of us. These choices will make up our FanDuel rosters for this weekend's uh, games. And, uh, John, let's take a look at last night's tilt. In a do-or-die situation, the Chargers finally showed a little bit of life that is still left in them as they took down the Broncos with a 21-13 home field win. For me, there were only two significant offensive performances here, maybe a lot of underwhelming ones that you might want to touch on or give your general observations, but I have to be highlighting Melvin Gordon. This guy gets the ball a lot for for the Chargers, and finally he delivered close to 100 yards in terms of the rushing game. He's been more of a threat in in the goal line offense and in the short receiving game, but he finally delivered in terms of rushing, uh, and then Hunter Hen- Henry, who's emerging as one of the top tight end options in the game, hauls in six passes for a TD and 83 yards. You can throw a blanket over the rest of the field. Uh, I wasn't impressed by anybody else. No, there really wasn't a whole lot else going on. Uh, you know, Trevor Simeon, uh, 30 for 50. you got to be kind of surprised that, that the Broncos were, were chucking it that much against the Chargers defense. It, it can generally definitely be gotten on the ground, especially with all the injuries that they have on the defensive side of the ball. So I was really kind of shocked by the ineffectiveness 
of the run game, uh, in addition to just sort of the uh, willingness to abandon the run game and have Simeon throw it that much. I mean, uh, we have a couple weeks in a row now where C.J. Anderson has been pretty underwhelming as a guy that has a bunch of shares of him in season long. Uh, starting to get a little concerned here. And then, uh, you know, you take into account that Devontae Booker uh, basically tripled Anderson's yards per carry mark. He, he was averaging 9.2 as opposed to Anderson's uh, 3.7. So that the, for them to, to not be able to take advantage of the Chargers defense, I think that it's a little bit of a concern if you are uh, in a heavy ownership with a lot of uh, shares of Broncos players. Um, you know, even and that goes even as far as like a Demarius Thomas or, or an Emmanuel Sanders, both of those guys under 50 yards receiving. Yeah, I'm, I'm like you, down on Anderson, because I thought now that he was the clear number one running back, and he started off the season so promisingly well, but yeah. uh, I think people are catching on that Trevor Simeon, this uh, Simeon guy, is not uh, the same quality as the previous guy who uh, manned the, the quarterbacking role. I forget his name. <laughs> uh, like Peyton something? Peyton something or other, yeah. This guy threw the ball 50 times, like you said, only for 230 yards in the past. Yikes. You, you want to see 350, 400 yards when the ball's in the air that much. But uh, let's move on to uh, other things that are on my mind, John. I'm going to get your – you've got to help me out here. I'm, I'm sorting my feelings out about the Cowboys' quarterbacking situation because despite that Dak Prescott's outstanding debut, there's a lot of talk, and it's overwhelming, and right from the front offices of the, of the Cowboys, that Tony Romo is going to start just as soon as he's healthy. I disagree strongly with this approach. Uh, for me, Prescott's been so consistent. In fact, observers, including myself, who's watched every single play of this team this year, you can count his bad plays and decisions through five weeks on one hand, John. We also know that Romo's been proven to be injury-prone, very injury-prone over the last little while. I'm saying, let's just let this guy soak him in bathwater until, until Prescott throws up an F in any game. Until that point, I don't see the need to make a change. Help me with your unbiased opinion. I'm, I'm really struggling with this one. It, it is really hard to argue that, that Romo is going to come in, you know, after kind of being on the shelf since August and, and be an improvement over Prescott. I mean, the, the way that the offense is being run with, with Prescott at the helm is a very, uh, you know, efficient, uh, you know, good, good balance of, of run and pass, uh, very mistake free and I think that's the biggest key there and and we know that you know in addition to Romo being a little bit injury prone he's also mistake prone you know probably better than anybody that he you know he has the penchant for the bad interception uh, and Prescott obviously has been able to avoid that to this point in the season uh, so it really is kind of kind of hard to argue but at the same time you just figure that at the end of the day they're going to go back to Romo and like whether it's a great decision or not what we'll have to see um, but I, I, it would be great if Prescott was able to hang on to the job once Romo's healthy. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, my heart of hearts tells me the same thing. They just got too much money, and uh, Jerry Jones loves this guy like his own son, I think, uh, yeah. the way he feels about Romo. But uh, Prescott's delivering the goods. I want to see him continue to do it. The minute he has a bad game, maybe that's the time to make the switch over in my mind. Sure. But there's another team that, that is undefeated in the NFC, and they've done it without their quarterback their top quarterback, who's on the IR. I'm talking, of course, about the Minnesota Vikings. John, again, I need your expertise. You're, you're the football guy between the two of us. Tell me why this has happened. They're, they're, not, they're not only missing uh, Teddy Bridgewater, but they're also missing Adrian Peterson. And I think it's interesting. There's a, there's a bit of a 2014 element here where, you know, Adrian Peterson had to sit out 15 of the 16 games or what have you. And the offense was able to sort of get into a better rhythm. It didn't feel so 
hamstrung by like the the need to just run out of the eye formation like two you know two out of the three downs every single series um so i think like that like bradford has been able to adapt very quickly uh to that offense and he runs it very smoothly um so you know they have a they have a decent one-two punch with with mckinnon and asiata uh running the ball they have a rising star and stefan diggs uh Kyle Rudolph has really kind of had a, had a resurgence, a renaissance, if you will, as the tight end. He's been uh, used really effectively uh, for the Vikings. And then, of course, you can't really talk about the, the Vikings right now without talking about their defense. It's, it's pretty clearly the best in the league. And it, it, it took a while to really feel that way, you know, to say that they're in a conversation with the Broncos. And now it, I think it might even be fair to say that they have surpassed the Broncos as far as this season is concerned. And another team that's shocking me early on in the NFC is the Atlanta Falcons. They are 4-1 now, John, coming off back-to-back wins against last year's Super Bowl finalists. They face the Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks this Sunday. Where are they in your power rankings and why? I mean, they've got to be a top-five team right now. Uh, show me a defense that can, that can truly stop them, and uh, you know, maybe I'll slow my roll on them. And I think going up to Seattle is certainly a test of, of that medal there and and uh, the Falcons defense has been good enough uh, I don't know if it'll be good enough to to carry them in the playoffs I think you know we might see a breakdown there eventually but that offense is about as scary as there as there is in the league right now I mean you look at the the way that they use both those running backs just incredibly effective uh, both through the air and on the ground and then uh, you you probably can't find a more physically talented uh, receiver right now than Julio Jones so uh, having him in the mix, having a healthy Matt Ryan, having a healthy Julio Jones, uh, that, that offense is, is just terrifying. And I think that's kind of been the, the story for them uh, thus far this year. Well, for me, that's one of the must-see games uh, this weekend to see how the, the, the Falcons match up against the Seahawks. I, I like the Seahawks make up their perennial threat. Uh, this year they're struggling a little bit. But the, one of the matchups that's just a glowing one this weekend is the matchup with uh, aforementioned Julio Jones against Richard Sherman, who is the Deion Sanders of this era that we live in right now, with apologies to that fellow uh, Revis. <laughs> so what's your slant on this matchup? Uh, well, Sherman's having, like, uh, you know, one of his best seasons as a pro. He's been, you know, absolutely locked down on his side of the field. Uh, it's, you know, it's sort of like, a, you know, the big storyline from week one. Uh, why why wasn't uh, Josh Norman covering Antonio Brown? Well, you know, they kind of stuck Norman on one side of the field. Uh, how Atlanta chooses to align Julio Jones will kind of dictate how this matchup goes. But, I, I you know, I think you and I and pretty much any football fan would, would want to see uh, at least a, a few kind of tussles between Jones and Sherman because I mean that that's you know two of the best players at their respective positions at the peak of their games so I think Julio Jones could probably uh, take advantage of this one but he is going to be going against a guy in Sherman that that you know unlike most corners that Jones faces is almost as big as he is at least uh, height wise right that's a key point now uh, final question before we get into our uh, routine is uh, how do you grade Matthew Stafford in his first season without Megatron? I wrote a lot about this in the offseason, thinking that, that Detroit would really stumble and uh, Stafford particularly would struggle. But here he is ranking fifth in the NFL in passing completion rate with a 68% uh, success and then a passer rating of, of just a shade under 100. He's throwing the ball all over the lot, but he's, he's got a lot of talent out there that, that's working well with him. Uh, are you surprised? 
Uh, not as surprised as as uh, maybe maybe you were here in this case because that offense really started to click once Jim Bob uh, got in the mix, uh, calling calling the plays last year, and I think it, it there's been a nice carryover this year, and uh, maybe there's you know without Megatron there's less of an onus of getting one guy the ball, and maybe Stafford feels a little bit more free to just kind of get just get it to the open guy, have no uh, you know pre preconceived. Uh, notions about where he's going with the ball, just you know, see the field, take take what he can get. And Marvin Jones has been just an incredible addition for them as well. Uh, he's surpassed Golden Tate. Uh, he's one of the, he's been one of the more productive receivers in the game thus far this season. So I'm not overly surprised that Stafford's having a good season, but I'm also not overly surprised that Detroit's just kind of not having a good season at the same time. It's it's a it's a strange uh, mix of up there in Detroit. Well, I'm going to keep an eye on it just because they're one of the closest teams in proximity to where I live. And sure. so it's worth a look the way that they've uh, run up and down the field with that offense. Uh, okay, as I said in the opening today, we're going to finish our weekly cycle with a look at the top kicker values on the board. John, I know each of us has come up with a name that we feel pretty good about and we're sticking in our respective lineups. Give me your choice. Uh, I'm going to go with Justin Tucker of the Ravens, uh, sitting at 4,900, so definitely not a steal by any means for, at the kicker position, but I think uh, when, you're, when you're going with Tucker, you, you just feel safe. Like you, you feel like he's just an automatic uh, guy. He's made all 12 of his field goals this year, all six of his extra points, so obviously he hasn't missed a kick yet this year. Um, trying to figure out how significant this really is in the grand scheme, but the, the teams have uh, attempted the most field goals against the Giants as well. Uh, they've teams have attempted 17 field goals against them. There are other teams where it's under five. So what that means exactly, still trying to kind of figure that out for myself. Uh, but I, I know that the Ravens, uh, they're going to have their offense uh, definitely sputter out. Uh, if, as long as they can get inside the 40, Tucker should be pretty much a lock to hit the field goal. And I know that the Meadowlands can be a little bit dicey with the wind. Um, but I think we're still a little bit too early in the year where, where we're going to see the, the wind like truly uh, affect the kicking game. And I think that Tucker, uh, for the most part, is sort of weatherproof to begin with. So I think uh, Tucker at 4,900 is just a safe bet. I think he's going to see, you know, two to three uh, field goal attempt opportunities, uh, maybe one or two extra points. So he should be, you know pushing for double digits, uh, at, you know, out of the kicker position on Sunday. I'm going to go with Chris Boswell to counter your pick. They're in the, he's in the same ballpark at $4,800. Of course, he's the Pittsburgh Steelers kicker, and so we all know how good the Pittsburgh offense has been. Uh, they've been rolling like crazy all season long. Now they got stronger with the recent return of their top running back option, Le'Veon Bell. In terms of the matchup this weekend, they face a minute. Miami defense that's been on the field more than any other defense in the league just because their offense stinks. That means a lot of scoring opportunities for the Steelers, and Boswell will be a big part of it. So to me, this is very simple math. You're going to get a lot of opportunities. He's going to get his shots in anything that doesn't reach the end zone with probably some short field goal attempts. And so I could see him easily getting double digits in points. And so we'll, we'll uh, swing into the fantasy football read now to, to give props to our friends at FanDuel. John, fantasy football fans had all the victory every Sunday. FanDuel where fantasy football is there for everyday fans. New contests starting every week, no busted season. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. I love that, having the computer on and just watching the totals. Oh, me too. New this year, there's an upgraded experience. Get even more contest variety. Try beginner's contest for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for a dollar. 
There's choices for every budget. John, I've had a lot of fun with this thing, but one of the most exciting aspects for me is to become involved in the Rotowire staff pool that we have. We go head-to-head -head every week with some of the best in our organization. There's a lot of bragging rights at stake. And I've been in this thing for the four years that I've been in association with the group at, at Rotowire, and I've made the playoffs each year. My team's three and two, and I like, I like the way it looks. And uh, how do you feel about your squad? You're also up there at three and two, I believe, on the other division, aren't you? Yes, that, that is correct. Uh, I just coming off a loss against uh, Jeff Erickson, I had the lead for a while, uh, didn't end up sticking, unfortunately. Uh, I've had a lot of attrition at running back. Did, you know, I had to start Orleans Darkwa last week. Obviously, that went terribly going against the Packers run defense. It's uh, been really, really uh, uh, strong thus far this year. But, you know, I do have the combination of Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. So that's going to keep me in, the ma in any given matchup, I, I really do feel, any single week. John, I have the opportunity to crow a little bit because I took down Chris Liss last week. And Very nice. He's known in, the, in our ranks as the guru at Rotowire. Yes. I'm undefeated against him in four years, including winning a, a championship. So that's unreal. That's nice. uh, really something I'm, I'm very proud of. But Chris, it's got to rankle him to no end. I, I know him very well, <laughs> and uh, I, we've never talked about it in the past. But I really get a special kick out of going head to head against him, and I've been really fortunate. And I was fortunate again last week. But uh, on the other side, my team's given up the most points of any team. Uh, to opponents, so I've had a tough go of it. I, I, I should have a better record given the way my team's rolled up some points, but it seems like three out of the five weeks my team has faced the top scoring team in the league. So uh, it's been tough, but uh, I like the schedule going forward, and of course we're going to have fun when you and I go head to head. So Absolutely. Something to look forward there to there for sure. So we'll, we'll remind the people that you, you can pick the players that, that you like every week. We are going to do that a little bit later in the show and we invite people to play in the Rotowire Championship by going to fanduel.com slash rotowire hyphen championship. Uh, have all the fantasy football has to offer. Fanduel, be sports rich. There's a special offer for new users. Get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on Fanduel. Go to fanduel.com slash rw. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play it with on FanDuel. That's over $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. All right, John, it's time to put our money where our mouth is. It's, let's roll out our FanDuel lineups, beginning with your quarterback. Well, you definitely uh, had the best quarterback pick, but, uh, you know, I'll leave that to you. Uh, so kind of had to scramble from there on. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Blake Bortles of the Jaguars, 7,800. Uh, going to Chicago, Chicago's not a defense that, you know, it's not the monsters of the midway of old. It's not Brian Urlacher or Mike Singletary roaming the middle of the field there. Uh, not even uh, Charles Tillman is there anymore. Uh, so that, that's just a defense that doesn't really scare you too much anymore. They're, they sit right in the middle in terms of football outsiders DVOA for pass defense, uh, right at 14. So, you know, a middling group, not, not, not as soft as maybe some people think, but uh, definitely not one that you're avoiding by any means. And Bortles, coming off the bye week, he's going to be fresh. All of his receivers are going to be fresh. Uh, also, the Jaguars just can't run the ball, period. So uh, they should be throwing it a good bit. This might be a bit of a track meet, actually. Um, I'm, I'm, like, oddly interested in this game. So I think that, that Bortles is going to be able to put up uh, some nice numbers. Uh, I think they're going to be throwing it a lot. Uh, I think Allen Robinson's going to have a big day as well. Um, so I think Bortles at 7,800, if 
you know, if you want to go a little bit towards the mid-tier with your quarterback, he's where I'm looking. Well, John, first of all, I offer no apologize, uh, apologizing for filling out my roster before you. So. No, sure you. <laughs> and so uh, it gets late a little earlier where I'm, where I'm sitting as opposed to you. So if you want to get up extra early and beat me to the punch, more power to you. But I know we both like Ben Roethlisberger of the Steelers, and I'm going to grab him. Uh, he faces a beleaguered and overworked Miami defense, and I expect a lot of long drives out of the Pittsburgh offense in this matchup. Uh, this, this looks like one of the big, biggest mismatches on the week six schedule. And whenever that happens, you've got to look at the quarterback. And, and we know how productive Ben has been. We've seen this club run up some big offensive totals. And this game has the same outlook. It really is that simple to me. And I, I know you agree. So I'm pretty confident about this choice at 8700 bucks. He's not even the top quarterback on the board. Right. Let's look at the running back situation. John, who are your picks? I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Todd Gurley at 7,900 of the Rams. Uh, they're going up to Detroit. Uh, this is just a situation where you're getting, you know, one of the more talented running backs in the league for a pretty discounted price relative to what uh, he can do. So you're getting Gurley. Uh, he's got the opportunities locked up. I mean, he sees the vast majority of the touches out of that backfield. And he's starting to get a little bit more involved in the passing game, which you like to see. He's starting to, you know, compile some more targets, uh, turn those into receptions. And that's, I feel like as a running back on FanDuel, that's just sort of like an icing on the cake type deal. Uh, so you like to see that. And uh, the Lions, oddly enough, haven't given up a rushing touchdown this year. I think that's one of the bigger anomalies across the league uh, thus far this season. But they're also giving up almost five yards of carry. So I think that uh, we're going to see that, that touchdown count rise. And I think Gurley's going to be uh, the one that sort of uh, breaks the levy there. So I'm going to go with him at 7,900. And then uh, Jonathan Stewart, this is more of like a GPP consideration because he's coming off of an injury. Uh, we don't know exactly how many carries he's going to get, but it's not the it's not like Fozzie Whitaker or Cameron Artis Payne were, were like absolutely dominant to where they need to uh, stay on the field a ton. Uh, now that Stewart's healthy, and I think you also look at it where Cam Newton's probably coming back this week, uh, and I think that Ron Rivera is probably going to hopefully learn his lesson and try to limit uh, Cam's exposure to the run game a little bit, and I think that equates to more rushes. For Jonathan Stewart in a, in a more traditional out of the backfield role, um, so I, I think him going against the Saints—that's always a track meet. Uh, I think it'd, it'd be a good strategy to get a part of that game, and Stewart's a cheap way of doing so. And then I also like Gio Bernard a little bit. You'll have to watch and see if uh, Jeremy Hill is out, but if he is, Gio Bernard should see uh, you know upwards of 20 touches, and I think five of those could be receptions. So that would be a nice uh, play as well. You know what? I'm glad you mentioned that last point about the running backs in the passing game because both of the guys that I'm featuring in my lineup will will be involved in the passing game for their respective teams, and th that provides you an excellent opportunity for a spike in value from one week to the next. I'm thinking first of LaShawn McCoy of the Buffalo Bills for 8200 bucks. You'll pay up for him but uh, because uh, of the struggles of the Buffalo passing game and the cons consistent reliance on, on McCoy as the primary weapon. There, the, these have been two of the consistent aspects of the Buffalo offense that we've observed every week. Uh, the, the game planning to stop him is the primary challenge for the Niners. My thought is uh, that old line that we often hear, you can't stop Shady, but you can only hope to contain him. And that's, yep. that's the challenge for the Niners. And I think he's going to continue to be a factor in the passing game, as you mentioned, with your picks. And so I can see this guy getting up to 15 or 20 touches in the running game and as many as 5 to 7 in the passing game. And so that should easily add up to 100, 150 yards and maybe a TD or two 
big mm -hmm. points for, for this price tag. And a little lower down the board, quite a bit lower down the board, is Isaiah Crowell of Cleveland for 6500 bucks. He's in a similar profile with the Browns as one of the very few offensive weapons that they've relied on. They've had some terrible injuries at the quarterback position. Uh, but apart from last week when the Browns were overwhelmed by the Patriots, Crowell has been one of the two top contributors to what's been consistently this offensively challenged team. I think we can count on him getting the most touches in the running game quite safely and his targets in the passing game to once again at least approach 100 yards, throw in a TD, and that's going to make uh, this a pretty good value play in my opinion. So uh, don't expect too much from the Browns as a team, but maybe focus on what this guy can do uh, by himself in this, in this tilt. So I'm looking forward to that to see if that play turns out. John, your wide receiver options. All right, I got, you know, I, I went for three different levels here. I have uh, one kind of mid-tier guy, one bargain, and one elite option. Uh, starting us off in the middle, uh, I'm going to go Jarvis Landry, 6,900 of the Dolphins. Uh, he just, he sees so many targets. I think he's like eighth in the league in targets, uh, fifth in the league in receptions. Uh, and you know that the, the Dolphins are going to be trailing on Sunday against the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers are going to be able to uh, put them in the rearview mirror pretty quickly, and I think that that equates to the Dolphins throwing it a lot, and especially because the Dolphins don't have much in the way of a run game to begin with. Uh, Landry just sort of runs these short patterns that almost substitutes for the run game uh, sometimes. Uh, so he's going to see a lot of the catches, uh, and I think people tend to overestimate uh, Pittsburgh's defense, at least in recent years. Um, they're they're 20th against the passes according to DVOA, 30th. Uh, according to FanDuel. So I think that this is a matchup that's a little bit softer than you might expect, and I think he's going to see the necessary volume to definitely hit value there. Uh, and then on the other side of the field, same game, uh, Eli Rogers, uh, 4,900. Uh, sort of like my Cam Meriden, Meredith pick from last week. Uh, it looks like Rodgers could definitely step into a starting role here, and you definitely want to get a piece of, of the uh, Steelers offense pretty much every single week. Uh, Rodgers at, you know, 4900 that's close to minimum price, and it, it looks like he is going to start because Sammy Coates is probably going to be sitting out with it with a finger injury. Um, so I think that Rodgers is just, you know, a plug-and-play type, type of option uh, opposite Antonio Brown. Uh, you like the upside there. And then uh, DeAndre Hopkins, 8100 going against Indianapolis. Indianapolis, uh, just a pretty poor uh, pass defense overall. I know that uh, Osweiler at quarterback has been kind of shaky, but Hopkins was able to dominate Indianapolis last year with really shaky quarterback plays. You know, he's been able to, to put up numbers his whole career despite or in spite of his quarterback. So I think that Hopkins is, is a safe bet uh, because he is going against Indianapolis. Yeah, the range between my top and bottom is 800 bucks, not quite the spread of yours, but I'll make a case for each of them. In fact, to face one another. First, Marvin Jones, you teased him off the top with Detroit. He's for 7,700 bucks. Though his targets have declined in the last two weeks, he still leads the NFL in receiving yards year to date. And he's still one of the top, uh, he's still uh, using uh, one of the top gunslingers in the league as his quarterback. That's Matt Stafford. We talked about him at the offensive controls here. When the Lions are on offense, the ball's going to be in the air a lot, and the Rams' offense is the worst in the league, meaning the Lions should get a lot of playing time in this one, and that should mean some, some targets come Jones' way, and I think he's going to do a lot with them for that 7700 bucks. Then I'm going to go with Amari Cooper of the Oakland Raiders at 7100 He's fifth in the league in total receiving yards and ninth in the league in targets, which makes me scratch my head a little bit to wonder why the price tag is so low. Uh, he's getting uh, just under 10 looks every week. Uh, clearly, he's the Raiders' top receiving threat. They will take their downfield shots through him, John, and I'm counting on it. 
Uh, and, and at this discounted price, I'll happily take my chances. And on the other side of the field, I look at Jeremy Macklin, who's got a similar profile with the Chiefs at 6,900 bucks. Uh, he's the big play guy on their uh, passing game, and he faces the league's most porous defense overall. The Raiders are getting torched every week, and uh, they, they've been sliced for more than 330 yards in the past game on a weekly basis. Macklin, I have to think, is in line for a big game and should make the most of a good number of targets in this tilt. Over to your tight end, sir. Uh, paying up here, uh, this is one where if you ha already have Jonathan Stewart, you might, you may or may not uh, want to use uh, Greg Olson, but uh, I'm going to throw him out there. I know last week he sort of had a, a career game, uh, at least as far as his receiving yards is concerned, uh, but you know, you can't really expect him to go for 180 yards again, but if he can do it again, it's probably against the Saints in New Orleans, uh, so I think that this is a really, really soft matchup. Uh, I think that his, his upside as far as uh, getting into the end zone this week, especially with Cam Newton back, uh, definitely uh, goes way up. So I think that he's a guy that, that's about as safe as it gets at the tight end position right now. Uh, and he's, I mean, he's playing some of the best football of his career. So I, I think that he's a guy to definitely uh, uh, deploy in your lineups against a, a really just kind of mishmash uh, Saints defense. Now I'll counter with Zach Ertz at $5,400. Ertz was out two weeks, and then he got some reps last week with three grabs on three targets for 37 yards. I think that was just getting his, dipping his toes into the offense. He's going to be ready to go and be more productive this week after another full week of practice. So I expect a better game out of him and more produ productivity. I think he's one of the better tight ends in the game. And uh, this price is a little low, uh, particularly when I factor in the Washington defense that's just not that good. So I expect Ertz to dwarf last week's numbers and, and be one of the productive aspects in, a, in an Eagles team that I think will beat the Redskins at home this weekend. We gave you our kickers earlier with John choosing the home team uh, that he cheers for, Baltimore's kicker, Tucker. I think it was 4800 bucks. Is that correct, John? Uh, 4900 4900 bucks. My guy was 4800 excuse yes. me. And that's Chris Boswell of the Steelers. So we're right in the, in the same ballpark there, looking at our, our, those teams' offenses to put their kickers in position for some big scores. Let's, let's turn to the defensive side of the ball, though, John. To close out our lineups, uh, let's go with your uh, pick on the defensive side of the ball. I think the Giants are, are, are actually kind of a nice pick this week. At 4,300, they're, they're at home. Uh, they're going against the Ravens' defense, or offense that uh, just fired their offensive coordinator. I don't think that that necessarily fixes all their problems, especially not the first week under, under a new system or just a new uh, play caller. So I think that this is a situation where the Giants should be able to kind of keep Baltimore out of the end zone for the most part. I think they might be able to generate some turnovers from Flacco, especially if if Baltimore, for whatever reason, keeps throwing it 40-plus times, uh, Flacco's definitely bound to make a mistake at some point. And uh, I don't think that Baltimore is really a threat to score uh, a lot of points, just period. So I think the Giants are, are a decent, uh, you know, sort of mid-tier defense to go for this week. I, I feel the same way about the Washington offense this week against Philadelphia. For 4500 bucks. I'm all over the Eagles in this matchup that will feature an Eagles pass defense against uh, the Washington passing game. They both rank near the top of the league in their respective categories, and I think the edge in such matchups resides with the defense, and I'm counting on the Eagles secondary to come up with some picks and rush for Cousins with abandon because Washington has one of the worst rushing attacks in the league. The Eagles will certainly pin their ears back, John, and I think they're going to press this advantage and, and set themselves up for some turnovers. In, in this game. So that's the way yes. I see it. 
Before we conclude, though, John, I have to give you a nod. I, I started hearing about your college show a couple of weeks ago. You haven't really told me too much about it, but I started to pay attention, and I'm very impressed. You're, you're quite a knowledgeable guy on the college game. Why don't you give our, our listeners a chance to figure out where they can find this show and uh, listen to your good work there? Oh, I appreciate that, Paul. Well, uh, it, it, we post it on, on uh, iTunes and Audio Boom every single week. I tweet out the link. Uh, it's every Wednesday. Instead of uh, doing the, the standard NFL podcast, we sort of break it up midweek. Uh, Mario Puig and myself uh, go into pretty extreme detail, uh, going into breaking down the lines for, for most of the big games, even some of the, like, the smaller sort of under-the-radar games. This week, uh, my favorite one is Middle Tennessee versus Western Kentucky. You know, that's sort of an <laughs> off-the-wall type of game. Um, so you can find that uh, on iTunes under our under our football podcast umbrella, and then on Saturdays as well in the afternoon uh, during our Sirius XM show, I usually come on for a segment around 2:15 Eastern, uh, kind of give my reactions to the early window, and then give a preview into what's going on later in the day. Uh, this weekend up in Madison here, we have a huge game, uh, best game of the week. Uh, Ohio State's coming to town, number two versus number eight. So I'm very excited for, for what, what's going to go down tomorrow night here in Madison. Very cool, very cool. Well, good luck and continued success with the college coverage. I, I think you've done a heck of a job based on what I've heard and uh, certainly love working with you on this podcast. Let's, let's, finish, up, let's finish up, John, with our play, plays of the day. Who do you like and why? Uh, I'm going to go with Eli Rogers. I just think that, that the the price point is, is so um, just incredibly low for a guy that's going to be starting in the Pittsburgh offense. That's just too good uh, to be true. Uh, you know, the the Dolphins are going to be doing everything that they can to to try to slow down Antonio Brown. It, while and I think Rogers is just going to kind of be able to run free on the other side of it. Um, so 4,900, like there's no way he doesn't hit value. Uh, I think you know he, he might be. Uh, put it, putting up close to 20 points this week, in, potentially, and that would just be a huge, huge profit uh, for whoever decides to roster him. So definitely going with Rodgers there as, as my uh, play of the day. And I'm sticking in the same contest. No surprise. I think you agreed with me, and I just beat you to sure. punch in terms of getting this keyed in first on my side. I'm going to go with ben, Big Ben. Uh, Roethlisberger and the Steelers look primed for a blowout victory this week. And you talked about 20-plus for your guy. I'm going to suggest Big Ben gets close to 30, maybe more, in that mm -hmm. matchup and will provide good value even though he's going to cost $8,700. And I think that's a good way to, to end this week's show. John, uh, congratulations on the work on the college side again. Uh, Appreciate fans, that. Give it a listen because he, he does great work there just as he does here. So there you have it for John McKechnie. Uh, you can follow him at John McKechnie. And I'm Paul Bruno at Statsman22, and we wish you good luck with your fan goal picks. Come back to listen to our podcast on a daily basis to get an edge on the competition. So long, everybody. Quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous?
Of course it's dangerous. Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, maybe inappropriate for children under 13.